There we go. There we are. Okay. I'm in. <laughs> I knew, we, I'm I knew in. we'd get there eventually. We ha- I had an issue, similar kind of issue, uh, with Nick Coleman when we did this. So. Okay, on the, on the last one, too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, it, thankfully, we kind of got it worked out. So, yeah, um, at least I know what's going in, on. Once you're in, you're in. Yes, yeah, at least I know what's going in. on this time. Yes, yes, exactly. So, um, so well, uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate you, um, you know, agreeing to take time out of your uh, your very little time off. <laughs> yeah. Yes, my <laughs> um, vacation to join me. Yes, exactly. Your your holiday vacation. Um, so I I'll clip some of this, obviously, you know, sort of the the um uh, initial stuff. But I'll I'll what I'd like to do um is just basically introduce you by saying, you know, that you're, you know, who you are, basically your, your name, mm-hmm. um, and then let you introduce yourself. Um, yeah. You know, kind of give, give the audience a little uh, kind of background about your background and, and sort of how, you know, where you are, how you got to be where you are and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. So like I say, I'll just clip off this. I should have told you this before, but I'll clip off this beginning part so that it will start at the appropriate place. But um, cool. And so, the audience is, mo- the audience is mainly like the, the, Thinkful boot camp grads. Or, yeah, for the most for part. The time being. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do have, you know, I do have some people who've followed me. I mean, some of them are people that I know that, you know, from a in a professional perspective. But, but I do have some people, um, you know, that that I don't necessarily know that that have followed me and huh. on the podcast too. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, just always, always good to know that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you'll get the link as soon as it's live. You know, you'll get the link so that you can hop in and have a listen, share it however you see fit. So <laughs> awesome. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, um, welcome, uh, everyone. I, w- I want to uh, welcome um, all of the listeners who are listening to this. It's probably recorded, um, not so much live. You certainly could be listening live, but it's um, it's not um, not very often that, that I've got too many live listeners yet, but, uh, but I will make sure to uh, post this recording as soon as possible. So welcome, listeners, and I'm glad you're here with us today. And we are, we are actually speaking with uh, Ben. I don't know if you go by Benjamin now, or is it just Ben still? <laughs> No, it's it's Ben for for all casual all mm-hmm. casual observers, and then if it's ever if it's ever in print, it's usually Benjamin. Benjamin. I tried going by Benjamin like for a, a very short period of time, but everyone still just called me Ben. So it didn't. <laughs> whether you yeah. liked it or not, right? <laughs> yeah, whether That's I wanted right. to or whether I liked it or not. That's uh, right. That's right. So so we're we've got Ben Ben Johnson, Ben or Benjamin, depending on whether you're seeing it or you know hearing or reading it, um, joining us today. And uh, I'm going to allow Ben to introduce himself. He can tell us a little bit about sort of where he came from, how he ended up where he currently is, what he's doing now. So Ben, I'll let you take that part. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess we'll, we'll do the condensed version. But okay. um, I, I went through Thinkful about a year ago, a year, um, about a year and a half ago. I actually I graduated in November of 2016. Um, previous to Thinkful, I did some freelance music. I worked a couple other jobs, but, um, uh, I started Thinkful in about July or Jan- June of 2016, and then went through the program, the flex program for about four months. And then I dropped out, took a job or, sorry, I graduated early and then I took a, um, a job at a company and then following that internship at that company, I uh, started working in Thinkful Career Services, and then I, I worked with I worked with Gwen, mm-hmm. uh, and now I'm a front end developer at a company, a startup down in Irvine called Auto Gravity, that mm-hmm. uh, we basically exist to make the auto financing the auto financing and buying process as simple as possible. 
right. That's that's very um, you know sort of elegant, sweet, short, sweet, and to the point. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, absolutely. Well, and can you expand on that just a little bit for for listeners who might be interested in learning a little bit more about autogravity? How does it make it um, as you know kind of painless as possible? What what um, you know what exactly does that mean? Yeah. How does the magic happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so um, basically, uh, if, if you download Autogravity on the App Store or you go through our web app at autogravity.com, um, I, shameless plug, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <Of course>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you, you fill out a short form, and through that form, I, so once you've selected a vehicle, you, you fill out a simple form, and we actually match people with um, the best credit offers for their um for a soft pull on their credit so we we, we do a very a soft pull so it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt anyone's credit and then um based off of people like your credit score if you're if your credit score 600 versus a credit score 750 mm-hmm. um you're gonna match you're gonna have a much higher chance of uh, matching with different lenders mm-hmm. um it depending on which band you fall into so right. um we analyze we, we do an analysis of uh, your work history, of your credit band, and then we say this person is most likely to get the best rates on these three to four lenders. And so the idea being that when you show up to a car dealership, um, mm-hmm. you already have your financing, maybe two or three um, approved loans in hand. Sure. Um, so, so the idea behind Autogravity is to streamline that process previous, at least previous to um, the digital revolution, this process would often look like you either um, you either sit in the F and I office of your uh, auto dealer, and they they kind of they they look at all of the ones that you're approved for, and they say, okay, you're approved for this deal that we have. It, oftentimes, they have uh, deals with the lenders too, right. um, so they might not be giving you the best actual deal for you. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Or the the other alternative um, previous to the digital revolution was to um, go find your own financing, and that would mean hours of your own time researching and applying at all of the different lending institutions yourself. Uh-huh. Well, and when you say, you know, kind of as painless as possible, it, there was an element of certainly of, you know, kind of beyond just the inconvenience of it and that it would take a long time and, uh, you know, that, that, that you might not be getting the best deal anyway, um, no matter what they told you. Uh, but there, there is a painless element to it in the sense that, especially for people who have maybe marginal, you know, like on the borderline, or you're not quite mm-hmm. sure exactly where your credit lies, um, you weren't even necessarily sure you were going to get approved or be able to buy the card at all. Exactly. And so um, an embarrassing situation. Too. Yeah. And our, our goal is to have um, lenders uh, and, and like we're still building out our product. We're still onboarding lenders. But our end goal is to have lenders across all all credit bands. Right. So anyone mm-hmm. with with a a credit history that has a pulse. Mm-hmm. Right. That exactly. um, could could finance a, sure. a vehicle of some sort. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it's, I think it's a, a certainly sounds like a valuable product. Um, and when, certainly one that it sounds like you stand behind and are, are you know, uh, believe in, do you think that's oh, yeah, important? It's a great you product. have to be able to, to believe in what you're, what you're helping to build or what you're, what you're working on? I think so. I think, um, having a cool tech stack or having a, um, a good work culture, right? Like those are all super, super important, but having something that you do um, at least stand by, or at least you believe it's useful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at, at the end of the day, if you believe it's useful and you believe it's uh, what you're working on matters and is actually mm-hmm. making someone's life better, mm-hmm. um, that's going, that's obviously going to help you um, 
carry through, right? Maybe when sure. the tech stack isn't, when, when other portions of the job may, may not perfectly match up to what you want, uh, at, least, at least, like you have that vision underneath, right? And, and that matters. And, and working on something that doesn't have vision um, or doesn't have a dream behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just gonna sap away at your strength yeah. a lot faster. Yeah, I can imagine. I know you've talked. We've talked in the you know um, since you started working at at Auto Gravity. Gravity and and what month was that again? Was that in July, right after you got married? Yeah, it was July. Uh, July yeah, I, I believe it was July eighteenth. So we okay. got married on the no, no, sorry, eighteenth was when I came back. It was like the twenty first or something like that. Okay. So late, okay. ju- late July. All right. So my memory does serve me. I'm not getting too old. So <laughs> not, not having senior moments yet. Um, but that I remember talking about, you know, it, there was a learning curve and, and, and you know, so yeah. as you got ramped up and there was a lot going on, you know, um, and you had a lot of, on your plate, you know, you, it yeah. was pretty overwhelming. You talk, I even, I even remember you talking about uh, back then that uh, thankful or me thankful that um, auto gravity was, had, was in the process of moving into new offices as they expanded very quickly. Mm-hmm. And that um, in, in the meantime, that there were uh, people working on, you know, sharing data. Desks, <laughs> working on the ends yeah. of desks, corners of desks, you know, just anywhere where there was a surface that they could get something done. So, um, but with all of that going on, uh, that it, it, I would imagine that it probably makes it, did it make it um, more palatable when, when things do get a little bit hectic or chaotic or overwhelming to know that what you're doing, you know, it really is going to matter, that it's going to be, it's going to be helping people kind of make the world a better place sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I was, I was fortunate enough to start after we moved into the new office. So I didn't go mm-hmm. through, I didn't have to go through um, all of the craziness around um, the old office, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. But I've heard stories, but yeah, yeah I, I think it, it does make it much better when when what you're working on, right, has value. And, and you can actually see the value that it's providing to people. And you, know, you tell people about it and they're like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Or you hear about a friend that's financing a car and, and you can actually say like, hey, I might actually be able to help with that. Sure, um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then uh, I was curious too, I, you know, I wanted to, to learn a little more because now we spoke briefly before this. Um, what can you tell us about, um, uh, you know, kind of what your day-to-day looks like now? Yeah, of course. Um, so we, so we don't have like a set working hours um, in true tech startup fashion. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so my day at least, like I, I'll normally wake up somewhere in the ballpark of like, um, I'm not a morning person. I'll, I'll, I'll say that right off the bat. I've, I never have been. Um, maybe one day I will be, but at least at the moment I'm not. So I'll start, mm-hmm. probably wake up somewhere around the ballpark of like eight eight a.m. and and go into work. Um, arrive at work somewhere around 10 a.m. Right, and oh, so okay. we do we do a virtual we do a virtual stand up okay every morning. So um, for those not familiar with uh, stand ups and what those look like, um, you you simply at least ours you simply just uh, post on Slack uh, what you work what you plan on working on that day, and uh, if there's anything that's keeping you from working on that, you post that in maybe tag the appropriate people that can help you get unblocked on those on those things um so we do that at 10 a.m and then um depending on the day of the week sometimes we have sometimes we have meetings so they're planning meetings or trying to figure out um you know it, it, maybe if we had a, like a big bug or something like a 
a tense, mm -hmm. like hot fix on production type situation. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we do a, a reflection meeting on that to see what we could do differently in the future to prevent. But most of the time, uh, the, the majority of my day is spent um, writing code or, or reading code, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, we, we don't operate on a, like a true uh, agile, like Kanban, uh, sorry, a true scrum process. So okay. we mostly, we, we have a, we, we have a Kanban board just with mm -hmm. uh, tasks that are assigned. And, and as you have bandwidth, you grab tasks and move them over. So, um, so, so really my day mostly looks like, like I come into work, I look at what's on my board and I look at, and I figure out which one's the, the top priority. Mm -hmm. And then I just start working on them one by one, you know, okay. and then um, as you finish, we, we do a peer review process. So you just post oh. your stuff up and your, um, one of your coworkers will look at it, leave, maybe leave some feedback, maybe not. And depending on how much feedback, you know, the rest of the day might be spent trying to get that one issue <laughs> merged <Right>. in <laughs> Yeah, or, or you're on a roll and you do five or six in a day. Mm -hmm. So it all, it all depends. Um, Absolutely, absolutely. But overall, so, overall, that's that's what the day looks like. And then I, okay. I usually end because I come in late. I usually end somewhere around like six thirty, seven. Um, okay. Sometimes towards the end of the day, I'll spend that uh, learning, like like for my own personal learning, right? So maybe sure. a lot of times I'll spend the last thirty minutes or so when the office gets quiet, um, learning new technologies, um, mm. learning old tech, like lear learning fundamentals, like uh, uh, tackling whatever's next in my learning plan. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Certainly yeah. you're continuing yeah, to learn, continuing to expand your skills and strengthen them and that kind of thing. And does your, uh, you know, does autogravity or does your employer encourage that? Do they, do they support that and, you know, kind of actively, uh, uh, you know, kind of um, provide kind of a, a foundational sort of level of support for that? Yeah, we, um, so actually we have a educational stipend for every, every employee. Okay, um, great. So, so if on your, you know, on your track that you're trying to figure out um, that requires going back to school or taking online classes, there, there's actually up to a certain amount that Autogravity will, um, will finance that. Mm -hmm. In addition, at least on my team, we have a few subscriptions to online learning. We have an Egghead and a Frontend Masters um, subscription as a team, mm -hmm. right? So, okay, and then... Sure. So that's all video courses um, that you can take to stay up to date on technologies. Mm -hmm. And uh, I use those, those more frequently um, just because they're, they're really simple to log in and they're, they're enough to get you acquainted with something sure. um, to the point where you can finish the learning yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. Well, and it's nice to have that, you know, that they're, like I say, that they're supportive of that, that you don't have to kind of do it, not necessarily on the slide, but, you know, that you have to, don't have to necessarily take up a ton yeah. of your time, you know, at home having to work on that, which ends up feeling like work again. <laughs> you know, yes, yes. Ends up feeling like that. So, of course, um, if you love learning, that's great, but. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, so, so to some degree, like, uh, you know, there's always a balance, but uh, to some degree, yeah, it, it's nice to have the employer understand that. Like, if you're learning something that isn't in their tech stack, that that doesn't mean you're <laughs> that doesn't mean you're looking for another job. Exactly. Uh, that yeah. means you might you might just be trying to keep your your skills fresh. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, and I do remember. Uh, well, let's talk about just quickly here. You know, how much of what you I want to go back to something that you and I had talked about a few months ago, you know, a couple of months ago. Uh -huh. was, um, but how much of, of what based on your estimates, 
how much of what you're doing in your job currently did you learn on the job? Hmm. Um, the, the actual technologies, I'd say 40% okay. mm-hmm. of the technologies, the methodologies for using technologies, mm-hmm. like, you know, 80%. Uh, so, so, and let me clarify that. So like, sure. like if, if you, if you had a, a list of keywords in your job listing, right. And it says like react, redux, mm-hmm. um, Mongo, DB, Redis, um, Node.js, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As as far as those technologies that I find myself using on a day to day basis, I already knew something about mm-hmm. about sixty to seventy percent of them. So I already knew how to. I already knew how to use React. I already knew how to use Redux. I already knew how to use SAS. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, however, every team does everything a little bit differently. So the way that my team writes React code is not the way that I wrote React code before coming out to my team. The way that my team uses Redux is different than perhaps many other teams out there. Mm-hmm. So, so as far as that goes, like all of that has to be learned on the job and there's no way around that. Like you, mm-hmm. you don't know without looking. Most companies don't open source their, um, their code. Mm-hmm. Um, so because most companies don't open source their code, like you don't really get to see exactly how they go about um, implementing their Redux or, or Re- mm-hmm. React components. And, and so you have to learn that on the job. There's no way around it, whether, whether you have years of experience with React and Redux or six months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and, and that kind of begs, I shouldn't say begs the question, but tends to suggest or um, uh, indicate that uh, similar to what many of my other alumni have, have, you know, kind of iterated that, that you never stop learning, obviously. And when you come into it, whether you've got 10 years of experience or one year of experience, when you're coming into a new, you know, when you're coming into a role in, in a new company um, where you, ha- you aren't familiar with how they go about implementing that technology, uh, it's going to be just like, you know, starting day one as a junior developer. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, and, and I think I think it was an engineer at Google. I read I read like a Quora um, answer or something on Stack Overflow, like where he basically said like, we don't really expect anyone to contribute anything of value in their first two to three months, yeah, regardless of their experience level, right? Um, maybe if you have 15, 16 years of experience, you might be able to get up to speed a little faster. Mm-hmm. But if you if you have a year, two, three, like, and you're working on a non-trivial sized code base, like if the code base is, you know, four files or, or even a thousand lines long, like it, it shouldn't take you that long to get up to date on that. But when the code base becomes 200,000 lines long, spread over 75 files or even more files, right? Maybe hundreds mm-hmm. of files, mm-hmm. like it's going to take you some time to understand the system. Sure. And there's just, there's no way around that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's just like, you can't, there, there's just no, yeah, there's no way around it. Like you can't, um, you can't, you can't shortcut skip. that, can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You, can't, you, can't you have to understand it. Like, it, it, mm-hmm. it just takes time and it takes time to understand it. And there's no way around that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now does, so. does, does that roll in with also, you know, sort of encompass, um, uh, how how the organization and how the team works as well and how they interact with that code and with each other in regards to it? 
sorry. Uh, can you clarify that a little more? Sure, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's obviously how they implement the technology, how they implement the code, what the code base looks like there, um, how they, you know, how they're applying it, how they're using it, but also how the actual people as a team work together mm. and how, uh, you know, does that, do you think that is, is kind of, it falls under that same umbrella in a sense of sort of, um, you know, what, where you have to learn sort of that, um, like you say, the, you know, the code base, the files, the, the, the system, um, do you feel like there's also an element uh, worked into that of learning how, you know, kind of the people system works as oh, well? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, the people anywhere are going to be different. Like mm -hmm. my mentor, when I was in Thinkful, had said something along the lines of like a great company, um, great people make a great company, right? It's not necessarily right. as much about the tech stack as it is about working with people that are amazing. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, however, like every company's culture is going to be a little different and um, their organization structure may, may be different. Their size may be different. Right. And so, so like Autogravity is my second company since I started um, working in technology. Mm -hmm. and, and I can say the organization is completely different than my first company. My first company had been around for 10 plus years. And mm -hmm. so they had a very, like, they had a system in place, right? In Autogravity, we've been, we've existed, we're celebrating two years total. Okay. In mm -hmm. February or January or something like that. Um, and I've been on for six months, um, but everyone on my team has been on for a little over a year, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, there, there's a ton of, uh, ton of difference, right, in uh, employee dynamics when everyone's only been there for two years yeah. um, or less, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, and even even structures like so, there's a startup with um, with funding. Like I, I would assume, like if you're in a company that's ten people, like it would look completely different, right, as far as like mm -hmm. conflict resolution goes, or um, even peer review, like you might, you might have a much shorter timeline or it might even be longer because everyone's wearing a bunch of hats. Like what you actually do in your job sure. would look different, how you interact with everyone. Like, um, if there's a bigger, um, hierarchical structure, mm -hmm. you're gonna, um, you're gonna have a much different relationship with your C-level executives than if there's 10 people and it's really flat. Right. Um, so, so I do think there is a, a learning curve for mm -hmm. um for each company as well like and it's not just it's not all about the code like soft right. skills people do say that soft skills are the most perhaps the most important for um developers um there's like i've, I've even heard some some entire podcasts developed to, to that point like in their developer podcasts and then they're they're mm -hmm. just saying like uh like there's a lot of engineers out there that don't have those soft skills yeah, and, mm -hmm. and that's just as much of a learning curve as the code base. Because mm -hmm. the fact is that you're working with those people. And mm -hmm. if you follow any type of peer review process or anything like that, um, you're going to have to work with. Like, if you follow any peer review process, you're going to have to leave feedback or get feedback on code. And um, you're going to have to understand the people that you're working with and uh, how people can take feedback. And mm -hmm. how other people can't take feedback. Some people really do need, um, some people need it more. Um, some people are very blunt and some people aren't. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and it, all mm -hmm. it all just depends, right? And like um, some people, some people 
are yeah yeah I'll, I'll leave it at that like some people are blunt some people aren't some people yeah. need need it blunt and some people don't mm-hmm. um some mm-hmm. people prefer it and, and, and like that's not wrong on anyone's part for that right so right some just people, different <laughs> yeah and it's just how yeah. different people understand things sure absolutely and there's you know some some personality or you know kind of um behavioral style differences there too you know i'd rather somebody tell me flat out you just give it give it to me straight you know (laughs) um don't dance around it just tell me what you want to tell me and you know let's get to the point and there's certainly plenty of other people who prefer it you know i've been in situations myself where i've I've, uh you know either when i've been in a a supervisor position or vice versa where um you know they kind of want it um sort of broken gently (laughs) yeah like i like i like a balance so for me it's like it's okay it's okay if um blunt feedback comes but Mm -hmm. when um but but as long as it's a balance so Mm -hmm. like if you look at the whole of feedback over a month two months like is it all blunt and and then you start looking at people as negative Mm -hmm. sorry it's okay Sorry, my headphones just came out. Um, (laughs) Like, like if you look at the whole of feedback and it's all negative, like that, that starts to wear on me. I know, Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, and as a turn, I I tend to give feedback differently. So there, there's a huge um, learning curve with understanding your your coworkers. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine. um, And you had also said that you had a fair amount. I mean, I do remember you telling me that you had a fair amount of access to senior leadership that you were granted a fair amount of access even from the beginning at my company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we do have an open office. So like, as far as going mm-hmm. and tapping people on the shoulder, it's not too difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, as the companies continued to grow, right. It, it gets senior getting access to senior leadership is sometimes difficult, but it's more just of a scheduling thing than an organizational. Right. It's, right. it's more just that people are often out of the office. They're at meetings. They're, I mean, those guys, their schedules book up fast. Yeah. However, getting the second level of leadership is re- usually a lot easier because they're usually in the office. Okay. You can usually talk to them. Um, uh, and then as far as like team leadership, um, at least our organization recently has gone through some restructuring and a lot more um, leadership functions have fallen um, a level or two further down from like sure. the C-level leadership. Kind of adding um, layers. Yeah. Sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. That yeah. So, sense. so like my team lead now has a lot more um, leadership aspects, mm-hmm. um, which is cool because like, I know, I know him a lot better than, than I know like the C-level executives because I'm working with him every day and he sits, you know, right across from me. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and um, uh, you, I do recall you also mentioning that, uh, that you were um, contributing. You actually were contributing on, um, actual projects, real work, you know, uh, fairly early on that, that it, in a, in a completely good way, I want to make sure that I couch it in, in that regard, that <laughs> you felt really good about the opportunity to be able to contribute in that way from fairly early on, that it wasn't just, you know, kind of, um, oh gosh, I know I was in a situation like that once where they basically said, you know, don't, don't do anything. Don't touch anything. Just sit and yeah. observe for the first, you know, at least three months, probably more like six. Yeah. I thought I'm going to go crazy here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I was pushing code that got merged in like actual work, working on actual bugs mm-hmm. or, or features from day two. So okay. day one was, you know, you had to get set up with all your accounts for HR, whether it's 
um, like like our benefits and stuff all, and um, payroll all happens online. Mm-hmm. So so you have to get set up with that system, and then you have to get set up with all of your credentials. We're a, a fintech startup, uh, like because we're doing auto financing. Yeah. Um, so we also have to get, you have to get the um, the presentations about uh, inf- information security and how to how to um, securely deal with data, securely deal with devices. Uh, you have to get set up with all the various technologies that you need, right? Um, mm-hmm. So uh, like a large portion of that first day is just installing stuff, right? On your right, computer, right. Um, And even getting your computer. Uh, and, and then from day two, like it was like, okay, well, here's, here's our process. Here's how we, here's our workflow as a company. Um, and then why don't you get started on stuff? Why <laughs> um, yeah, like, I was coming into a team of three that was hiring for about three or four positions at the time. And I think we hired for three. We've already, we filled most of those positions now. But um, when I came in, I was much needed help where people were, were really, really um, treading water, right? Like trying to, trying to stay afloat um, because they had a ton of work. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they're, I'm sure, very grateful. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very appreciative. I, I, was, I was amazed at how excited they were to see me there. Um, <laughs> and, and the HR person was like, oh, man, they're so they, they've been like just waiting for, you know, because because probably had I not been on my honeymoon, I would have started a week and a half earlier. So there was a very long time between they found out I accepted and then my start date. And that, so I'm sure they're like, oh, man, we just can't wait for this guy to be here. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. No kidding. Um, it, you know, sort of, they thrilled to see you walk through the door. Yay. No I guess. <laughs> you know, an extra pair of hands. Yeah. You know. But I, I remember an... hearing that and being a little bit surprised. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> um, probably relieved once it's kind of settled in, you know, sort of reality settled in. Yeah. Um, and, and I can feel it now. I mean, we're bringing on two new people in January and like, I'm, I'm so excited to have them on board and have an extra, <laughs> extra two sets of hands on deck with, um, uh-huh. I mean, startup, startup pace. And, and I assume other people working in startups would, um, would, uh, echo this, right. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah. that the pace can be very different than a company that's been long established and there's yeah. very high stakes and, and the, um, the emphasis is getting stuff out to market quickly. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have, you don't have a, a ton of time. Um, so, so you want to move fast. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and I'm sure pivot quickly and you know can um, exactly. move very quickly. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, okay, all right. Um, now let's talk a little bit, if we can, kind of circle back around and let's talk a little bit about yeah. your search experience because I know, yeah. you know a lot of the listeners are you know they're they're going to be very interested in hearing about that. Some of them are still in that process, um, and you know at times even you know experiencing some frustration um, and. Uh, you know, kind of trying to to kind of master that whole pro- the, you know the components of that sort of that whole process. So um, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, how how long? Well, I mean, I can I could probably even speak to this to some degree, but you'd probably know better and faster. Uh, how long did it take you from graduation? Or well, I shouldn't say from graduation, from when you started working because you were you know not traditional. Yeah, because my story is not. Right? Yeah, because my story is non traditional. Um, exactly. But exactly. since when I started career services, like I had mm-hmm. my portfolio done, I was yeah. started actually starting on all that. Um, so I started that somewhere around. I think late March, maybe early April, somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I accepted my position in in late June. 
And I started interviewing, I started interviewing for my position and like stopped looking for new positions because I was interviewing for two positions at the time. Um, both of them looked like they were going favorably. Um, like mo both of them went to late stage interviews. Um, and, and so I actually stopped like looking for a whole bunch of new positions because I was, I was really banking on these two probably about three weeks before. So probably I, I found and started interviewing for my current position in, I, I would guess, early June. Okay. So what is that? April, May, June, maybe two months yeah, tops, three months. Yeah, I think it was probably about so three, three months. Years. It probably would have been two months had I, um, had the interview process been a little shorter, but. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you said it was extended because of scheduling. Yes. It, it had to do with, uh, travel schedules. Yeah. So, um, out of the four people I interviewed with over three interviews, um, three of them had been traveling at the time that, uh, <laughs> at the time when I started yeah. interviewing. So, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay. And, um, you know, that, I mean, that's pretty quick, you know, a couple of months yeah. uh, until you, you initiated or, you know, the, uh, the conversations with your current employer. So, um, I'm sure the audience, you know, the listeners are going to be very, very interested in, in learning more about how, how that happened, how you were able to make that such a short process. Um, there are some who, like I say, it might take them four or five months, um, and some mm -hmm. even longer. So, uh, can you, speak to that a little bit. What do you think really made the difference in terms of you uh, being able to, to identify and initiate uh, that interview process and ultimately land a role in such a short period of time? Yeah, I, I guess I had really good motivation um, with my, I, I was getting married in July. <laughs> so um, <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, accept, I accepted my position about 10 days before the wedding. Um, oh, yeah, I do remember, I do remember that. <laughs> Just tense, before the honeymoon. It was a very tense time. But um, honestly, <laughs> it, it took a lot shorter than I expected. Um, I, was, I was gearing up for something more like four or five months mm. of, of job searching. But um, what... What made it go so fast? Um, I, I think to, to some degree, there's just a stroke of, um, you know, there's, there's some strokes of being in the right place at the right time, but then there's other mm -hmm. strokes of being, making yourself into meeting the right people, being in the right place. So, so like you, you can be at the right place at the right time. Like you can meet the right person who introduces you to the right person who introduces you to the right person, or you can, oh. you know, who introduces you three levels down and it sets off a chain of events. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. now you're in your dream job. Um, or um, you can submit your application. And for some reason it gets, it gets chosen through the applicant tracking system. And then you end up in your dream position. There, there's, mm -hmm. there are those situations where you do have strokes of, strokes of luck or divine providence or whatever you want to call right, it. Right. Um, how, however, um, I felt like w one of the things that I did in my job search is I put myself out there a lot. And, and so rather than sitting at home um, with a resume and just applying to a bunch of job listings online, I, I went out to a lot of meetups over, especially over my first like three or four weeks on the job search. Mm -hmm. um, I went to a ton of meetups. There were some weeks where I went to like five meetups a week, Monday through Friday. Like it was just one every night. And then I'd spend the following day um, sending messages to all the people that I met at those meetups or connecting with them on LinkedIn, um, trying to connect with people from their networks. So, so I spent like a, a few weeks really, cause I didn't have a network in tech when I started, like mm -hmm. perhaps now, like, like I am, I have a much bigger network in tech. And so it would take much less time to reach out to my networking and find 
positions if I had to go on the search, uh, knowing what I know now. But, um, but at that time, I didn't have really a network at all. Um, and so, so I had to build it, right? And that was, that was one mistake that it probably would have been shorter had I already had a network. Sure, um, and sure. if I had built it while I was a student, um, while I was learning, I probably, it probably would have been a lot faster because I would have had connections to reach out to and to say like, hey, do you know of anyone who's hiring? Hey, um, like, here's what I can do. Here's who I am. Um, but so, so I spent like the first three to four weeks really, really building up my network. I was, um, yeah, going to meetups uh, day in, day out. I was um, sending messages to anyone and everyone on LinkedIn, um, personalized messages, mind you. Um, sure, but sending messages, setting up phone calls, setting up Skype calls um, with recruiters, with senior developers, with CTOs, although I didn't really get a lot of CTOs on the phone. Um, mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> to be fair, I mean, I understand their, their schedules are, are usually crazy and getting on the phone with some random person, unless you're at like an early stage startup, right, maybe. Right. Um, yeah. and, you're, and you're really, really looking for that talent. But um, but. I got a lot of people on the phone. I did a few video like calls and, and mind you, none of these were interviews. Like all of these were just right. get to know you type stuff. Right, right. Um, and ultimately that's what led to me getting my, my current job was that um, I met a guy at a meetup and he introduced me to another guy. Like, so, so I met a guy at a meetup and then I, um, I went out for beers with him like a week later mm-hmm. and then uh, he used to sell uh, cell phones. He used to sell, he worked for like Verizon or AT&T or something like that before he got into development. Okay. And so he he was like doing, you know, he was doing door-to-door sales, like doing tons of stuff with, where your network really is, is, is your business. Um, right. And so, and he gave me a tip. He said like, look, I used to do this all the time. Um, I still do it sometimes, but um, like when you go to meet people, like, stalk them on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, maybe a few hours before or a day before, and like write down a list, write down a list of people you want introductions to from that person. Sure. So because you can, I mean, with LinkedIn or with GitHub, like you can, you can look through who people are following, who they're connected to. Um, you can look, you, you can look and see who they know in their network. And um, I mean, to some degree, like sometimes people will say like, oh, I don't actually know that person. They're just in my network. Like, um, but yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and like, I'll be honest, like I have people in my network that are like that, but, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, the fact is maybe out of five or six people, like two or three are people they actually know and people that they, they'd be more than willing to introduce you to. So I, I did, mm-hmm. after he told me that I actually did that. And then I mm-hmm. sent him an email later asking for introductions to five or six people. And I got introductions to three, I believe. Okay. And then out of those three, I was only basically I I had email conversations with all three, and then I started um, I, I met up for one of them went for drinks as well, um, went to his office, and then we went out to lie and grabbed beers, um, okay. and then he introduced me to the hiring manager at my current company. So he okay. said, "Wow, this guy's yep. um, wow, this guy's kind of." kind of cool like he seems like he knows what he's talking about um mm-hmm. let me and then he sent me a you know he sent the hiring manager an email and next thing you knew i was in in phone screens so and then from there from there on like it was just the interview process sure absolutely so uh, those introductions kind of that six degrees of separation um, yeah really made a difference 
let people got to know you a little bit, got to know, you know, kind of um, uh, develop an affinity for you. You know, they, they began to know, like, and trust you and felt confident then um, uh, giving you access to people that they knew. Yeah. And, and I, I guess another key thing with that was like, because I, I have met people and gotten messages from people, especially since I've, I've been working more, um, where you get the feeling that people are trying to use the, you to step into your, like your company. And I made sure not to give off that vibe. That was a, that was a big key is that when you're, when you're meeting people, like people don't want to meet someone with a big agenda, right? They, they want to make a new connection. And, Mm -hmm. and so that was another big thing that I tried to do all the way through. It's like, I I went for beers for people and, and I mostly asked them about what they did like what they like any recommendations they had for someone in my position who's trying to get, you know, trying to get his first real gig in the industry. Um, I talked shop with them, talked about like current technologies, things that, you know, their thoughts about front end development, where it's going. Cause, cause it is a very interesting field and it's kind of gets reinvented every three or four years, it seems. So, so like I, I did a lot of just talking like with people, and yeah. not not asking them for favors um, because right. like i mean i mean it's the same idea as like like if you get a phone call and there's a telemarketer and they're just asking you to buy their your product their product mm-hmm. um like nine out of time ten times people are hanging up on them but right. like if you have a friend that starts a business and they're asking you about their product um or asking if you'd you'd want to try it out you're, you're much more inclined to at least give it a thought or at least, um, at least, uh, consider trying it. And and you're much more like, you're much more likely to actually buy it because you know Mm -hmm. that person and you know, um, why they're in it. You know, maybe that they're, you know, that they're competent at what they do, you know, that they do good work. So, so like all of a sudden now you have a, a bit of a rapport, and, and mm-hmm. so, so lots of those uh, meetings that I did at meetups and uh, outside of meetups were more about building rapport than they mm-hmm. were about like asking for favors. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, to back up just for a second, what what was the? Um, you said that you you know you sent personalized messages or you know customized um, mm-hmm. kind of individual messages. What what kind of content was in those messages? What what kind of a message did you send that that? inspired people to be you know to be interested and open to to meeting with you or talking with you yeah they were way more informal than you'd think um (laughs) like like rarely did i say like i'm an aspiring front-end developer trying to get into the field and here's my portfolio and here's my github and here's my resume do you want to would you be willing to take time out of your busy day and get coffee with me. Rarely was it that busy. Like, because I, because I was going to meetups, like I had already met these people and, and Mm -hmm. I, I just told everyone that I was a front end developer, that that's the position I was targeting. And that's, I mean, I was doing the, I was working on front end development projects, just um, they were all open source and for free um, prior to while I was on the job search, but I was Mm -hmm. still like keeping my skills fresh. Um, so I just told people as a front-end developer, I started chatting with them about what they were doing and about mm-hmm. technologies. And then I'd usually send them a message a day or two later just saying, like, hey, it was really great meeting you the other day. Um, I'd love to hear more about what you're doing day to day. You want to go grab coffee, beers sometime this week, next week, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. They usually followed that format. They were very, very short and sweet and to the point. And sure. didn't ask for any favors, didn't send any resumes, any 
um, any portfolio links, none of that, because yeah. like, because the point was about making the connection, not about asking for the favor because, um, and I guess the long game, right, is asking, <laughs> asking for the favor. Sure, sure. In Absolutely. That, that and I don't case. think that's but dishonest. I mean, I think people know that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think mm -hmm. everyone, everyone, especially in this field where people are jumping around, going to various places, like everyone knows that making a new connection could lead to either person, right, right, right. ending up mm -hmm. at the other person's company. Right. So, uh, but no, it was... That, that was largely the process, though. It was just meeting people for coffee and beers and what what have you um, and going from there and seeing what happened. Like, if it, if it wasn't a, an, a connection that felt felt right, like, if they didn't feel like, like a buddy or someone that I would want to work with, chances, mm -hmm. like, I, you know, I, I didn't follow up as, follow up as heavily as sure, if it was sure. like, oh, wow, this person is really, really awesome. I bet their network is amazing and I bet... Um, they might, and they, they seem like they're actually willing to help me out. Sure. Well, and the likelihood is if you felt that way about them, they probably felt that way about you, in which case then exactly. they're going to want to help you, you know, when the time comes and, um, you know, then they're probably going to want to help you. And people know, I mean, you know, it's not like you're meeting these people at a meetup and then hitting them up on Facebook or, you know, uh, yeah. Snapchat or whatever afterwards and saying, hey, let's get a beer. It, they understand that, that, you know, that the relationship is at some level professional, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that there there may be ways that you can help each other. That is sort of the point of a professional network, you know. Yeah. So there, it's it's not dishonest. It's not you know deceptive or anything like that. Um, and it, I think that's an important point that you make that uh, it, that every every hit's not going to be a win. You know, every hit's no. not going to be a home run. You you know you're going to meet people. You're going to spend time with people, and it's going to end up feeling like wasted time. Um, you know, some of that anyway. But. Uh, that they're, you know, that the the benefits of doing that, of taking the chance and, and getting together with people one on one in particular, I think is is really mm -hmm. key because I do, you know, I do have students and I and I certainly talk with plenty of um, uh, students and even private clients who who struggle to see the value in meeting one on one. You know, this, I'll go to meetups, you know, I talk to people, uh, but they don't bother to follow up afterwards. They don't, you know, they'll add them on LinkedIn, but that's about as yeah. far as that ever gets. You know, they struggle to see the value in it, so. I think that's a really, uh, you know, kind of a key point that you make there. I think that's very important. So Yeah, I, I heard somewhere recently that, um, and, and I'm not far enough in my career to really, really um, feel this as much, but uh, that you always, you always meet everyone in life twice, mm -hmm. right? So, so you work mm -hmm. with someone for five years, um, they leave the company, you, you know, maybe 10 years down the road, you leave the company, and then all of a sudden, that next thing you know, 30 years down the road, you're both working at the same company again, or they're your client, right. or you're their client. And, um, and that's the big part about networking is you're playing, you're playing the long game, right? Like, mm -hmm. perhaps that, that connection that you just went out for coffees with, uh, maybe they're not going to, maybe they don't have a job open for you at their company. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Like, that, mm -hmm. that's perfectly okay. Like, you made a new connection, you had a good time. Like mm -hmm. you, you made a new friend and, and that's much more important than the job listing. It's, it's hard. It's hard to take that approach when you're um, searching for a job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is when you say that? Why do you think that is? Why is it's hard, hard to take that, that approach? Because mm -hmm. I mean, because you, you feel like, like the hustle's on, right? And you feel like yeah, any time yeah. that's not going to yield a job immediately is wasted time. Right. So, yeah, and, and that's yeah. what leads people a lot of times to spend all their time uh, submitting resumes rather than networking, right. I think, because it, it feels like it's more connected. But I mean, the chances of, I, I, I believe I heard that the chances of getting 
a resume picked out of like a, a major job board is actually, it was like, it's less than your chances of getting like hired at Google or less than your chances of like getting um, hit by a meteor or something like yeah, it's, it's exactly. so it's That's so right. it's so That's small right. of a chance that it's like, winning the lottery um, you know <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. if really if unless you have the keywords perfect and you it, it's a very hard game to play um and mm-hmm. so it, it can feel like when you're networking that it's not an immediate payoff mm-hmm. and it may not be in many cases but in some cases it will be and in some cases uh, it may be a long game and in some cases you just not not every hit is a home run, mm-hmm. and uh, in some cases you you meet people you meet up with someone who you think is going to be have a great opportunity, and what you find out is he's really just trying to use you for your developer skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a couple people that I met that were like that, and it was like, yeah. dude, you you don't know what you're talking about, like you, like <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly, <laughs> but, exactly. Okay, all right. But you have to meet a lot of people, yeah, and, and that's a good yeah. That's yeah. totally a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, some people, of course, you know, that goes back to the soft skills concept, you know, that you were talking about before. It, you know, when you talk about soft skills, what can you be specific? Because a lot of, you know, it's sort of something that's bandied about. People talk about it all the time. Soft skills so important. What does that mean? You know, when you, when you think about it, what does it mean in the context of the job and in the context of the job search even? What does the, you know, sort of soft skills, what is that referring to? Yeah, I think, Yeah. What, yeah, it is interesting because we, we use those terms a lot and we don't often don't define them. Right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But so, so I think the biggest, like the biggest soft skill that any, anyone would say is like communication and being able to, and even that, like we say that all the time, we don't often know what it means. Um, but mm-hmm. it is sort of this emotional awareness around your communication about mm-hmm. around like, um, are you being direct enough? Like, are you saying what you mean? Mm-hmm. Are, or are you holding back because you're afraid of what people will think? Okay. Um, in addition, are you, um, how do I say this? Do you understand that when, like, when you say something and it doesn't communicate appropriately, how mm-hmm. to clarify? Okay. So it, it, both in writing and in person. So if you say something, you're like, well, that's not going to work because of this and this and this. And someone asks a, clari- they, they ask a question back. And you're like, wow, this person did not understand what I said at all, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Like, um, do do you do, like from there to okay? How can I explain it in a way that, that explain whatever whatever you're explaining in a way mm-hmm. that people can understand? I think that's one of the biggest soft skills. Um, I think just general awareness around um, other people's time can mm-hmm. be a big soft that's skill. Good. Like, so so in the workplace, that that means like showing up to meetings on time. That means just understanding, uh, uh, yeah, that, that like not to waste other people's times and especially on the job search, that's a big one, right? Like to understand yeah. that, um, so, so as far as communication goes, right? Like understanding the tone that you put out and, mm-hmm. and how it could be um, uh, interpreted. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you come across as needy, like understanding maybe uh, how people would uh, respond to that or if you come mm-hmm. across as confident like that's that's going to be responded to very differently um, mm-hmm. and as far as respecting people's time like if you're meeting up with someone for coffee and it's set at a certain time maybe it's like during their lunch break mm-hmm. like don't waste don't waste their lunch break don't be 20 minutes like right. don't be so late <laughs> to their lunch break and then they they lose it or if you know they have a big buffer time then, then that's that's a little different, right? Or mm-hmm. if you know it's after work or on a weekend, like like that may be different. And there's different rules around different times, right? Like if it's someone's lunch break or before a meeting or something, like chances are they're going to be much more hurt 
mm-hmm. by by changing schedules versus like if it's after work right, or if it's right. on a weekend. Um, uh, so, so I think general awareness around people's time is also a big one. Uh, sure. And then I, I, this this kind of is a, in a weird in between space between soft skills and like hard skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think passion, passion for what you do, and being able to convey that. Okay. Uh, passion and excellence in what you do. I think those are probably three of the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. Like, I, obviously, there's a lot, but those are the three that, that, like, stand out to me that if someone had, like, those three, and you'd be able to say, wow, this person's responsible, they know how to, they know how to communicate, and they really care about what they do, like, mm-hmm. that, that would make someone stand out. Okay. All right. Yeah, and, that's, I, and I think that's a pretty fairly comprehensive list. I mean, you know, it, it encompasses a lot. Now, how, how do you, what do you think are, are you know, just, even there are probably a million different ways to do this, you know, sort of all the ways to skin the cat. But how, what do you think are a couple of, maybe just a couple of good ways that, that people can convey that passion about what they do. Mm. And it may not necessarily, it may be verbally, it may be through, you know, actions or, or, you know, involvement in different things. What do you think, what do you think based on, you know, kind of being on the other side of the fence, not looking back on being part of the employer and, and getting a better sense of how they perceive that, um, how they view it. Uh, what do you think are a couple of, of ideas or thoughts on how how students and you know people who are who are looking and, and kind of approaching the job search might be able to convey that passion. How can they show it? How what's a what's an observable or tangible way that they can demonstrate that? Yeah, totally. I think I think obviously one of the first steps, like if you're not currently employed, having a great presence on GitHub is is huge. Okay. Great. Because like so if you're currently employed, it's, it's sometimes different. And we found this, like, I've seen this with candidates, right? Because a lot of times companies, you'll create like a dedicated GitHub for your company and then a dedicated mm-hmm. one for your personal stuff. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. so, so a lot of times if you look at someone who's maybe like employed by a startup, like, mm-hmm. like me, um, like if you look at their personal GitHub, you won't see nearly as much as it, as their company one because they're working every day at their company and they're, they're grabbing little free moments of time to work on their side projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're currently not employed, then there's no excuse, right, for not having a lot of a lot of stuff that you're working on. I, I feel like mm-hmm. if so, so a way to show that passion, at least through what you're working on, is to be able to say like. If I asked someone, like, what are you working on right now? Like, what are you up to? What are you learning right now? And not having an answer for that. It was like, oh, well, yeah, the last app I built was two months ago when I finished my boot camp. Yeah. And (laughs) I haven't really learned anything since. Well, that doesn't show that you're passionate about a field that's always changing. Mm -hmm. Um, Versus, like, saying, oh, yeah, I read a blog post the other day about WebAssembly and how it's supported in all the major browsers now. And... Um, I looked into what it would look like to learn a couple of languages that compile the WebAssembly, maybe C++ or Rust. Like I know those aren't traditionally uh, front-end development languages, but pretty soon they may be, and blah, blah, blah. Here's all the complexities about learning this, or maybe I, I learned React in uh, the bootcamp, and now I'm learning a little bit of Vue, or I'm diving deeper into how to manage state in React or how to do CSS in React. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like that you actually care about becoming an expert at something and knowing right, something. Right, right. Um, at least as far as, like, development goes. Uh, and then having the source code up somewhere or, or an example somewhere that you can interact with. Another way to show that is blogging, right? That's okay. just a way of, like, writing down, like, oh, I, you know, I learned about this and I learned about this sure. and blah, blah, blah. Um, and and you've done some of that yourself. 
I have, I have, and I'm working on doing more. And that's actually, I mean, we're right around the, the change to 2018. And that, that is one of my goals for 2018. I'm trying to set up the actual, like, um, the actual, what, what is it? People say to like make smart goals that are achievable and yes. to set the actual, <laughs> to, to set the actual, like, what is the, um, measurement? Like, like, how do I measure like the success of that? But I'm, I'm, yeah, I, yeah. I'm trying to, to get more, into a rhythm of blogging um, okay. more frequently. But uh, I, I do think that's a great way to give back and show that you're passionate. Um, but yeah, I mean, and you can really see it when you talk to people. Like, do their, do their eyes light up when they start talking about sure. what, what they've been up to? Mm-hmm. Or, or, mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. can they talk about the intricacies of those things? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I think those are some really, like you say, those the, kind of those tangible types of things like blogging, like, you know, um, uh, participating in projects, you know, um, like mm-hmm. you said, you know, even even reading about um, the technology that you're, you know, that you're, mm-hmm. you've learned or are learning or interested in learning, even, you know, yeah. all those things it do, you know, they are good tangible ways to be able to see that because somebody, you know, anybody can say that they're passionate about it, but you know, it does it, it's sort of the proof is in the pudding, right? You have to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. Really good point. So let's talk briefly about the, um, uh, the interview process. Yeah. Um, because I know yours, uh, you know, was unique in a sense. Um, yeah. I suppose they're all unique at some level, but, uh, talk a little bit about what the, the interview process, quote unquote, whatever, uh, you know, whatever form that takes, um, what that looked like for you and sort of the sequence of conversations that you had with the company. Yeah. So, uh, we started out with a phone screen. It was mm-hmm. primarily technical, um, with a, like the, basically, um, our, our process follows, uh, two technical tests. The first one's a phone screen and the second is in person. So for the phone screen, we asked a series of technical questions, mostly related to front-end development mm-hmm. and, and web technologies in general, um, okay. all the technologies that we use. And then right. the second portion is basically uh, where you get asked, as the candidate, you get asked your questions about okay. the company, right? And, and okay. from the company side, like you, you're always looking for candidates that are interested and have questions. Generally, if, if the candidate doesn't care, then they're probably not going to have questions. If they care, chances are they're going to have tons and tons of questions about yeah. culture, about um, career paths at a company, um, about uh, workflow, all, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the second interview or the second after for those who pass the phone screen, um, then we follow a, a on-site interview, mm-hmm. which okay. is a like an hour or so of a coding challenge. Um, okay. We don't do we don't do whiteboard challenges at least on my team. Um, right. Some do, but uh, we basically we have a, a problem and we say like here solve this problem um, using these technologies. Uh, and then, and then, you know, going from that problem, maybe there'll be more questions or more tasks that'll become that that will be um, created kind of on the spot. Like it's like, oh, I saw you did this. How would you do it a different way? Or how would? Why did you do it that way? Like, like the engineers will go into it deeper from there. Sure, um, sure. And then following that interview, so for the second, the second interview, the on-site interview. So the first half is the technical test, and the second half is usually a culture fit interview where um, two more engineers will come in and just ask, you know, just ask culture fit questions. Like the idea there is it, that's the conversation, right? That's, that's the right. two way conversation where the candidate really gets to evaluate like um, 
what the company is doing, what the what the culture is, and, and actually myself and another engineer have traditionally conducted that one. Okay. Um, and so normally, like normally, that one is the like what well, what questions do you have for us? And we get to try to sell you on the the team's culture, and we get to ask a couple questions to clarify like is the person um, a right fit for the culture, sure. or are they, or even better, are they like a, an addition to the culture? Like maybe maybe they're not like identical to everyone else maybe like do they add something to the team as mm -hmm. as a person not not necessarily mm -hmm. from a technical side okay. um and then finally so uh, the third interview so for those that pass the second interview the third interview is usually with one or two of our c-level executives and they've they've made a point even despite like c-level travel schedules and meeting schedules to um get everyone every candidate a meeting with one of the, at least one of the C-level executives. Mm -hmm. And the meaning there is to like, ultimately those guys are the ones who have invested everything in the company and are um, on the line with the, the board of directors. So like those guys are the ones who ultimately have the final say. Mm -hmm. And those guys are the ones who are best equipped to share the vision of the company with someone. So, Absolutely. The so bigger picture like, stuff. Exactly. And those are the ones who are really able to like um be the guard like those are the ones that at least in our in our minds and in our minds as a company, that those are at least for now, those are the ones that, that really have that they're the guardians of uh, right, the culture of the company. Mm -hmm. Um and, and I would assume that with any company. And and I don't know what that'll look like as it as it scales larger and larger as a company. Maybe that'll go a level down to the like VP level, um, mm -hmm. but at any rate, like the goal is to get every candidate um, a meeting with someone in a senior management position, uh, so that they can get sold like one hundred percent on the vision. Sure, sure. No, so, and then sense. after that, then there's some. <laughs> Right. Oh, <laughs> well, and another country heard from there. So, <laughs> so apologies, uh, everyone. That's my, my uh, little dog decided she was going to feel a little competitive today. So, um, okay. so, and then after that, yeah, like if, sure. if someone's awesome and we all do a debrief and everyone's like, yeah, let's hire this person. Mm -hmm. um, then we make an offer letter and go from there. Okay. Good. So it's it's interesting and 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 I think fairly unique um, uh, for you to have been you know such an integral part of uh, participating in in the mm -hmm. interview process. Um, uh, you know, being fairly new to the company, so it's great to mm -hmm. hear that. You know, from that end, um, what about deal breakers? Are there deal breakers? You know, things that that um, candidates, you know, that people that you've interviewed uh, or that you've you've heard about, even horror stories. Um, any deal breakers that are like, yeah, no, if somebody does this, whether it's a technical kind of thing, you know, based on a coding, coding uh, problem or uh, just soft skills, like you mentioned, communication, anything that, you know, kind of red flags are like, yeah, not a chance. We're, there's no way we're hiring this person. Yeah, I can think of like two or three right off the top of my head. So the first one is obviously technical ability. Like if you're hiring for a certain bar of technical ability and someone doesn't meet up to that bar, like chances are that will be enough to rule them out, especially if you really just don't know your stuff. Like, like maybe if you fail on a few points mm -hmm. and like, if you don't know a few points that are being asked or, or like your questions, but you can show that you're a learner or you can show that uh, you're really, really uh, scrappy and you can, you can pick that stuff up. Like um, we had one candidate that, that did that. Like he, um, 
he, I think one of the engineers um, at our company, like he did that, he interviewed and then like, they were like, no, you're not ready yet. Like, but they put him on a soft hold. They came back in like four months and interviewed him again. And they're mm-hmm. like, wow, this guy improved on every point that we gave him. Wow. Let's hire him. Nice. Um, so, so that's like, but as far as like, if you just don't know your stuff at all, like you didn't do your homework, like you saw the, the technologies listed in the job listing and you knew there was going to be a technical interview and you didn't study them at all. Like Ah, that's, that's a point. Like, like if you could have, if you could have solved, if you could have bypassed some of those problems just by reading the documentation on the technology, like Mm -hmm. that's a huge red flag that just shows that that, that's, that's kind of lazy, right. As a candidate. Um, But as far as like culture goes, like a big one for us, if we ask, if we ask questions, like if we ask if the candidate has questions and they don't have any, (laughs) <laughs> like well, and we have to like, and we have to like prod them for yeah, questions. Like it's like, well, it do you, well, do you want to know about this? Or <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, oh yeah, what's is you know, that? That's a big red flag because it says yeah. like this person either one they haven't worked any jobs ever in their life, and they they haven't like had anything that burns them ever in a mm-hmm. company, right? Like, so mm-hmm. they've never, they've never worked in a company that had a bad workflow or that yeah. had a bad um, advancement process. Cause, cause okay. if you've worked in any, if you worked in any company ever, like those are things that are important to you generally. Right. Right. right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and like red flags that you'll career, be looking for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if, if you care about your career, chances are those are things that um, you want to look for. Like you want to know what is the advancement process? How do I be successful at my job here? Um, uh, what does the workflow look like? Even like what, what does the workflow as an engineer look like? And, and so not having any of those questions shows that either you just didn't think about the company at all and you, or you haven't thought about your career at all generally. Like those, those are big generalizations, but that, that's at least how it comes across. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then, yeah, I guess the second one is, um, or, or the last one is just people that haven't kept their skills fresh right like like it's it's a industry that changes so much and like if you're using the stack that everyone used 10 years ago like you'll be you'll be eligible for some companies but at least at our company like we're trying to stay um close enough to the cutting edge maybe not right on the cutting edge but uh mm-hmm. close enough to the the current technologies because that's where the best the best and the brightest usually are right um and yeah. if if you stay with um, an old stack, at least right now, it's like if you're if you're still hacking things away with jQuery, or like uh, or or a lot of stuff like, and that's like your only only thing that you know. Mm-hmm. Chances are um, that's going to come back to bite you, okay. and um, be, because it's an industry that changes so much, it just says you haven't stayed up to date with current trends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, that definitely. It'll be like, yeah, I mean, it would be like from a hiring perspective, someone saying like, oh yeah, I don't do LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just never, I never thought of it. Right. 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 Absolutely. No, that's like I say, that makes perfect sense. Um, and uh, kind of like you say, red flags that you can fairly easily notice. Yeah. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, you can usually tell those within a minute or two of talking to someone or, mm-hmm. or at least of a coding challenge. You can usually tell that within a, a couple of minutes. And, and obviously sure. it, it does rule out some people that are, are probably very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, you know, it's just the nature of the beast with that, that like, um, obviously there will be some people that haven't kept their skills super fresh that if they had a moment and maybe that's just because they've been working so hard and if they had a moment, Mm -hmm. they'd be able to get up to date. But, um, but it's right. Like a lot of hiring processes are made to minimize risk. 
sadly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's very true. That's very and, true. and chances are there will be people that are, are young and, and don't like, like a lot of boot camp grads, like I was even. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I failed on a lot of points in the interview, but what they, what they saw in me was uh, the passion. And yeah. like when, when they started asking about what I've been up to, I had open source projects that I had been working, contributing to, to point to. I had, uh, I don't think I had been blogging that much at that point, but I had a, a post or two to point to. I had, mm-hmm. I had this and that, like a whole, a whole conglomeration of things that I could say, like, look, I'm serious about this stuff. And I'm yeah. like passionate about being really, really good at this. And like, given how much, how long I've been working at it here's Mm -hmm. the level of skill that I'm at. And that's what impressed them was that like, given the amount of time that I had been developing the level that I was at, not necessarily just, just the level, it was the context. Right. Right. You know, it, it it sort of gave a bigger, you know, a kind of a, uh, a more, uh, a better rounded picture of who you were and what your capabilities were versus just your current skills. You know, uh, they they see that you you have capability to learn new things you have and you have the passion and the interest in learning new things. And so, you know, your capabilities as a learner, as an individual, you know, as a person um, became, it sounds like, you know, at least as important as the, you know, the specific skills that you had. And that's just as important whether you've been working for as a developer for five years or, Right. Uh, or you're still looking for your first gig. Like, um, and th- that would be like why I would say, like, like I was saying about people keeping their skills fresh and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's really what it comes down to is that um, like if you're not keeping your skills fresh, chances are you're probably not learning a lot of new stuff mm-hmm. or you're not shoring up on fundamentals. And like what have you been doing those past three or four years on the job? Yeah. Like someone maybe with four or five years of experience that doesn't know the stuff like what have they been doing what what have they been learning like it, it, it's more of a culture thing at that point it's less of a technical thing and more of a culture thing yeah um where it says like are you are you building a culture of learners and people that are passionate about becoming the best that they can be um regardless of their company stack or are you mm-hmm. building a people that that have have x amount of years of experience yeah yeah exactly and that x amount of years of experience doesn't necessarily you know it, it turns out not to be quite as valuable in those cases you know um I, and i i refer back to a story you know, i won't name names um we'll <laughs> probably get to that story at some point but the story i was telling you a little earlier uh today ben when we first talked that uh about uh, one of my former students and and he had a conversation uh with the hiring manager basically uh-huh. at the company where he took a job and um at Asked, uh, you know, what their challenges were and what he heard back, you know, was re- really rather, you know, surprising that they currently had a an engineer, a senior engineer mm-hmm. with many years of experience who was getting paid very well, but was lazy. Yeah. <laughs> and just didn't, you know, he, he just didn't work very hard. And so uh, they were looking at and their plan was as a result of that, their plan was to look for a junior developer who they could kind of groom and shape mm-hmm. and mold with, within their platform, get them to know, you know, the thing inside and out, and, and dump that senior developer, get rid of him. Yeah. He was dead weight. So, you know, that um, experience alone is not enough. <laughs> you know, no, I often I mean... will hear students talk about, um, I don't, well, you know, without experience, I can't get a job, you know, um, that that's as if that's the, um, the single most important piece of the picture. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I connected, I connected with a guy and he's, he's been doing a podcast and he really like jumped crazy in, in um, uh, his LinkedIn popularity or his LinkedIn connections. His name's Greg Johnson. He's been doing a podcast called Next Level People, I think. 
Mm-hmm. I and just talked to him I, last week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's amazing. Yes, and one of his points he that he's made so often is that, uh, like, if, like, saying I need experience to get a job is, is kind of like a cop-out because, basically, yeah. you don't have to get paid for, to, to get experience. Right. And, and great. Exactly. It, it's great to get paid. And it's great to have sure. a company on your resume. Like, that's awesome. Right. But if you're looking for your first gig and you don't have anything like if you have a portfolio of projects that are unique, that are high quality, that um, that really and if you're not great at like front end design or all that stuff, like even if you have a uh, something that's interactive enough that someone can really get sucked into it. Um, or someone can consume it in a professional manner. Like maybe if you're really a back-end person, you build a new database client or a, a new API sure. for something. And you don't even have to build the front end. You can have a buddy build that. But the fact is, or if you're contributing to an open source project, like there's so many open source projects out there right now that are, they have, they have entire like classifications for their issues called uh, beginner-friendly Mm-hmm. Or like, I, I believe React Core has that Babel, for, for those who are in the JavaScript world, uh, React, Babel, Webpack, you name it, you got it, right? But React, Babel, right. Webpack, Redux, um, Yarn, Jest, basically anything by Facebook, most of the things in the modern JavaScript ecosystem have mm-hmm. classifications for their GitHub issues. And they're, they're called like a good first issue or beginner friendly or stuff like that. And okay. uh, some of them even have entire issues that they won't let people work on them if they've been contributors for a long time. They're, they're exclusively set aside for people getting started in open source. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. And, that I was not aware of. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a, I, I believe it's like called like yourfirstpr.com. Uh, or something like that. Like I, I can send you the link later, okay. and you can distribute it out. However, however sure, is that'd best. Be great. Yeah. But um, there's entire there's entire sets of of things for people trying to jump into open source. And if you're especially if you're not working eight eight nine hours a day at a job, right. like that's a great way to get experience and and have public experience shown because you can show right. your source code of like here's how I wrote in a code base that I did not start. Mm-hmm. Like here's, you know, React core is X amount of lines. I think it's like, I think it's like 20 or 30 kilobytes of, of code or something like that, which is a, a fair amount. Um, just off the top of my head, that that's un, unminified. But uh, uh, you can contribute to that and you can say like, look, these people wrote thousands of lines of code and I jumped in and I was able to understand how this piece of the puzzle worked and I was able to fix this two, these two problems. And here, and the cool thing with, I mean, having it up on GitHub is you can say, here's the conversation that I had about the code. Here's my communication skills mm-hmm. about understanding the problem. Here's right. my commit Clarity, history. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. you, can show, you can show everything. You can show your soft skills. You can show your, your development skills, obviously. Um, and it's all public. And, and right. so not having, I mean, or like people have friends, people have projects, like even if you're just continuing to build projects or write blogs or, um, I mean, a lot of people freelance and and enjoy that and that's how they gain their experience. Um, And the, one of the best things about contributing to open source is that you're also getting peer review. So you're also getting feedback from generally, generally the, the main contributors to that are, senior developers with a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. And so now you're getting, now you're getting peer review from someone who 
has 10, 10 or so years of experience, or maybe they only have two, but now they're working at Facebook or Google or whatever. Um, and, and it's a great way to up your talent level and mm -hmm. have something to show for it. So well, I would imagine there's probably some element that it's a great way to uh, get on, you know, in a case like that, to get on someone's radar. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. You I mean, you're, you're also making new connections while you're doing it because you're Absolutely. working alongside of people. Exactly. And, and so I, I remember him saying something along the lines of that. And this was early on when, when I was looking for a job. I connected with him before he started this podcast or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that was one of the things that he had said. I, I don't think he had said it to me specifically, but said either on his podcast or in a, blink, or in a LinkedIn post. He's like, look, mm -hmm. like if you don't have anything to show for your four months or five months or three months at a boot camp mm -hmm. or even four years at a computer science degree, like mm -hmm. if you don't have anything to show and to prove that you you can do what you say you can do, mm -hmm. like you're you've shot yourself in the foot before you exactly. started. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and so doubt. so saying you don't have experience and you need that experience to get a job, and just just remember that you can get that experience without a job. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can get it on, on, yeah, any open source project, any personal project, any freelance project. Mm -hmm. Now, there are going to be, you know, listeners who are going to, at least in their minds, they're going to challenge that at the level that, you know, they'll say, sure, yeah, I can get that. But that's not going to count. It's not going to matter for an employer. What are your thoughts about that? Do you think that's true uh, or not? I mean, some employers, yeah. Sure. So, um, yeah, some employers aren't going to count that, but at the end of the day, like if you're looking for your first gig, like you're looking for employers that are open to people that may know that they don't know everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for employers that are, are really willing to groom someone up or, or really willing to throw them in the, in the water and see if they'll swim. Um, and being able like, yeah, I, I'll say like doing open source work, doing uh, personal projects, writing blog posts, like that's not going to cut it on every employer every job okay. listing. Sure. Um, and that's just the way the world is. Um, right. But it will cut it with some employers. Mm -hmm. And that's what matters, right? That's because matters. like, exactly. Yeah, because like, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, you don't need every employer to care about your to care about your open source work. Mm -hmm. Really, really, all you really need is one. Right. As long as that one hires you. Um, mm -hmm. exactly. So so at the end of the day, like, um, it's, it's really about like, it's convincing that one company that to hire you. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you have to go through five, six, 20, 200 companies to find that one. But at the end of the day, you can find that one. And, and there are companies out there that are willing to start people on. And, and I mean, there's lots of companies that are willing to start people in uh, try like three months, six month contract sure. roles to hire and you're still paid full time like right, right. full-time rate, but maybe, maybe at a lower rate, maybe it's like, you know, if, if your full-time salary was something like 90,000 for, for a regular employee, right. Or something like that, like, mm -hmm. like for a regular, like mid-level engineer or, or a junior level engineer, whatever, I'd, like, um, that's, that's closer to the going rate here in Los Angeles. Um, sure. mm -hmm. but maybe, maybe you start at like a half that or whatever as a, as a intern, or a contract worker, or you sure. don't get benefits. And then, and then after six months, you move into a full-time position. And it's good for you because then you have paid work experience plus right, right, yeah. uh, opportunity at a full-time full gig. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and in fact, uh, Dan Riding in Salt Lake City, um, who uh, we, we just, well, we did a podcast with him. That'll actually be posted probably the next day or two. It needed a little clipping, but um, oh, cool. yeah, absolutely. That was exactly what he did. Yeah. That was his experience. And so he's he's currently working working a contract to hire role. Um it was a kind of three month uh contract to hire and you know, loves it and it and it basically that's exactly what it boiled down to was um, you know, it, it was kind of a trial period for the for the company and for yeah. him, of course, you know, there's an evaluation process both ways. And Ultimately, you know, he knows that as long as he doesn't do something grossly, you know, (laughs) off the grid, you know, kind of a thing um, off the charts that, you know, that he's he's got something lined up when he's, you know, when that when that period is done and he is getting paid. So, yeah. And that's the only thing I'd say to people considering those type positions like Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's a lot of positions out there and there's a lot of people really trying to cheat people on those type of positions. So, yeah, so just yeah. be savvy when it comes to evaluating those type positions, like mm-hmm. make sure that uh, if it is a three to four month trial period that mm-hmm. you um, have, that the company has a feedback loop set up, right? So that sure. like after one month, you should know whether you're on track for that mm-hmm. hire at four months, right? Sure, like, sure. or you should at least have some feedback that, that like, wow, we really love you. You're doing great. Or yeah. wow, you kind of suck. Like <laughs> we're, there's no way we're going to, or maybe, maybe not in those words, right? Maybe the company says like, here's the areas that you need to improve if you're going to be at a level that we are willing to pay for. Um, well, and, I think that's like, reflective of whether or not the company takes this seriously. Exactly. Now that they're willing to invest in in their interaction with you, you know, with their efforts. Uh, if they're willing to invest that time uh, in that conversation, essentially, and tracking mm-hmm. that information, tracking their, you know, how you're doing, your performance, uh, your growth, uh, professional growth, and that kind of thing, that it, it indicates that they do take it seriously, and that they're, you know, oh, yeah. that it's, you know, you can you can feel fairly confident at least that, um, you know, that they're that they're seriously considering they're not just using your skills you know well we need to get yeah. some cheap work you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you so that's, need to have some cheap work done so that's the only thing i'd say to people looking at that for like maybe their first foot in the door or their way yeah. of getting a, a little bit of work experience sure. like just be savvy make sure you get paid something because there's plenty of companies out there willing to pay yeah. people at least double minimum wage right, um, right. for for that type of work um, mm-hmm. for a short-term contract work and, and make sure that if, if you're planning on turning it into a full-time gig at the end, that there's a, um, advancement path of saying like yeah. at one month or at two months, there, there's regular check-ins that, that let you know where, how you're doing. If you're not planning, if you're just planning on getting experience and then, and then moving on to the rest of your job search, mm-hmm. like maybe that advancement path doesn't matter as much, right, but right. like at, at the very base level, make sure you get paid something because there's plenty yeah. of companies out there willing to pay. And if a company's not willing to pay to give you an internship, they they don't care about you. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, that's certainly true. I, I think it's, uh, it's true from a standpoint of, uh, you know, it's that skin in the game concept. You know, yeah. If they don't have any skin in the game, then they've got nothing to lose. If they it don't doesn't care. work out or, you know, if they don't invest, I've, I've, I've worked with companies um, more than once that, that have had internship types of programs along those lines that, you know, there's just, they yeah. don't have anything invested. So there's, they have nothing to lose. So they don't spend a lot of time or effort investing in the growth of those employees and that, that internship or that, you know, kind of trial period if you want to call it contract to hire period becomes worthless to yeah. the employee then you know to the contractor yeah. so, so which is really, but that's really also yeah that's also a really great way to get experience or get your foot in the door at a company without having a ton of years of work experience sure sure um, absolutely but, that makes sense 
between all of those options, like I feel like saying like I need experience to get um, my first full time gig. Um, in many ways, it can, yeah, it, it creates this sort of like false, uh, false problem, right? Because yeah, you, yeah. yeah, you just don't have to get there's there's so many different ways to do that in sure. um, in this market right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, as far as, because you were at a point where, you know, you kind of needed to narrow down, you had some options facing mm-hmm. in terms of your search. Um, and uh, did there come a point where with Autogravity, um, there's sort of usually two ways this goes, and sometimes it's both at the same time. Did you feel like you needed to sell them? I mean, was there, did you have to ask a closing question, so to speak, that, okay, you know, what do we do next? Or, all right, so, you know, do I get the job? Or um, on the flip side, or maybe both, uh, did you get a sense that they were working on trying to sell you? Oh, they were working on trying to sell me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, They were, um, I mean, I think, at least that's how it felt. Um, Mm -hmm whether or not you know I, I don't know what they said when they were evaluating me like when they were <laughs> deliberating about candidates or whatever right, like saying right. is he better than this person blah 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 mm-hmm. um I, I have no clue what they said in that but at least in all my conversations with annie our head of talent mm-hmm. um it felt like and she's i mean she just has a talent for this as well like but it sure. felt like she was trying to sell me on like wow this company is great they're gonna treat me awesome blah 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 right. um you know she's telling me about because but at the time i was interviewing they hadn't moved into their new office so she's telling me about the new office about um we have a slide from the second floor to the first floor so she's like oh here's oh, where the cool. slide's gonna go <laughs> um you know here's the kitchen and blah 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 um, so, so it definitely felt like they were trying to sell me on it. And, and of course yeah. I had plenty of questions about the company yeah. because I was interviewing with another company. So I was evaluating like which one of these two is going to be best for my career growth. And, mm-hmm. and ultimately I, the, the other company wasn't quite as sold on me as auto gravity was. And I felt mm-hmm. much more like I had to convince them that I was, that I was awesome. Sure, um, sure. and in retrospect, like my role at auto gravity is much better than for, for me is much okay. better for me than my role at that other company. Sure. So been. no regrets there, huh? <laughs> yeah, it just just given my personality type, my uh, intended career trajectory, it turned out it turns out that this is a better step for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Great. That's terrific. And uh, that's good to hear certainly. Um yeah, and, 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 and the other company was great. They they're awesome too. I just want to I just want to put that out there. I'm not going to name sure. names or put anything of out course. there. Like the other company the other position I was interviewing for, they're all, they're all really good. Um, they're, and they're all really great at what they do. Um, but it wasn't correct for me. Right. Right. So. Just not the right fit for you. And that does make a difference, you know, that, and that highlights really something that, you know, that I try to emphasize. So, you know, I'm hope I'm hoping that, you know, that that's a message that, which is why it bears repeating uh, that the listeners do get is that um, it is an evaluation. It's a mutual evaluation process. It's not just, you know, if you want to think of it as an evaluation process, it's not just, um, you know, employers that are evaluating you and you're on sort of the, um, under the, on the hot seat or under the, the microscope, it, the reverse is also true. It needs to be a good fit for you. And you, like you say, your your future, you know, your kind of your um, vision for your future, your intended trajectory, uh, you know, because chances are you're probably not going to be there forever. <laughs> I mean, that'd yeah, be a very I mean, rare scenario. So, you know, so it has to yeah. be something that's that's you know, like I say, that's like you said, that's just right for you. That makes sense yeah. for you. So, so yeah, absolutely. you you want to take your career uh, actively in hand and right, right, and um, take the steps that move you in that correct direction. 
mm-hmm. of so like like if you have this dream at the end of the tunnel and you're willing to change that dream like that's okay to change paths from time to time sure but like like that that first gig is a step in that direction and if mm-hmm. it's not in a direction that like if the company's not a step in that direction that you want Maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's worth turning the company down and not taking that step. Like it, it's okay to do that, and it's okay yeah. to not take a step into a job just because it's a job. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, unless mm-hmm. you're like really really strapped for cash, and you're like, but but at yeah. that point, that at that point, that's more of a survival thing. Your next, your next right, step is right, how do yeah. I put food on my table? Not exactly. Um, and sometimes people are that. Career. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Some people okay are, you know, too. that's a priority. That's a value. You know. Oh yeah. Absolutely, totally. absolutely. So, um, did you when it came down to uh, a salary, you know, kind of when the offer came in, did you negotiate? Uh, I tried negotiating with the company I didn't go with. Um, but at least as far as auto gravity's salary, like it was, I had given them a salary range and they actually went above, above my salary range that I gave them. Part of the reason I asked, I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it was kind of like they were, they knew I was interviewing at another company. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, so I, I didn't feel like I had to negotiate also because I had given them a salary and they had already gone above it. So I didn't have to negotiate to that, to my target. Um, They kind of blew it out of the water. So, um, (laughs) and yeah, there was nothing wrong with that. I'm very, very happy that they did. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) And uh, yeah, so, but I didn't feel a need to negotiate. um, Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I did try negotiating with the other company um, Mm -hmm. and that, yeah. It, it didn't work out too well because they were still trying to figure out whether I was right for the goal, but ah, or okay. right, right okay. for the role. So they basically said, like, when I told them, like, I have this other offer, um, I'd like like to expedite your hiring process, see see what you guys would want to offer me. They were like, well, like, we're still we're still evaluating. Maybe you we should take the other. Decision. Maybe yeah, we haven't made a decision yet. Ah. Maybe you should take the other offer if it's on a if it's on a tight timeline. And it's sure, like, well, sure. it's 10 days before the wedding. Yes, I'll take the other offer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and, and that, again, you know, that, that uh, is, you know, another situation or example here that sort of um, confirms or uh, corroborates something that I, again, that I, I, you know, I encourage my students or, or emphasize to my students and, and clients that, that um, uh, the best time to, to do that negotiation, the time when you're going to have the most leverage is when they are convinced. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that they do want you. Now you were in a unique situation because you did want to kind of speed the process up and, and get be yeah. able, have something to compare it to prior to, you know, this big event in your life. Uh, and it made yeah. perfect sense to kind of nudge that along. It, it, it sounds like it kind of had almost a, a dual purpose for you. Um, but in, in kind of more um, typical kinds of scenarios, uh, it'd be something that, you know, you'd want to wait until the company's convinced mm-hmm. that they really do want you. And then you've got more leverage to say, okay, you know, you don't want, you know, you want me. They, they made, they made that mental, at least prior commitment, you know, yeah. they kind of committed mentally to, they, they are envisioning you working for them and helping them solve their problems and that kind of thing, uh, giving them some relief of some sort. And, uh, you know, they're pretty married to that idea. And so, you know, having to start all over again, finding someone new is a pretty unsavory thought for an employer. Yeah, I mean, when you look at hiring mm-hmm. funnels, like the the amount of the percentage of candidates that actually get to an offer is mm-hmm. very, very small. It's usually right. somewhere around like, well, like out of every, like if you're talking about a listing on a job board, you're talking mm-hmm. about like one out of every five, five hundred resumes or something yeah, like that. One out exactly. of every, I don't know the exact statistics, but it's. 
as far as like the amount of resumes that get chosen from hiring boards or um, mm -hmm. and then the amount of in-person interviews, like it's a very, very small funnel of those who actually get offer letters. And, and so starting all over. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah. Having this, it's it's just very, as very unpleasant for, for employers as it is for uh, the candidates. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's it's just as unpleasant, um, or at least almost as unpleasant. They don't enjoy it any more than than you do, you know, than the candidate does. So uh, if they can avoid it at all, you know, at all, at all possible way to avoid it, then they're certainly not going to want to start over. And that's where you, you know, like I say, you, it gives you a little more leverage to say, well, okay, you know, hey, coughing up that extra five grand or that extra three grand or whatever, um, suddenly weighing that against the loss of manpower, the loss of productivity that's required for them to, to start over suddenly uh, that, you know, that five grand or 10 grand doesn't seem so, uh, you know, yeah. you know, Oh yeah. So Especially impossible. like, mm -hmm. I mean, however, like it's worth saying that, that if you're asked early on in the hiring process, what your target is, mm -hmm. chances are you're not going to be able to no negotiate about that target. Right. Like, right. like it's going to be a lot harder. Like if you say at your first interview, like I want X amount and then yeah. later when the offer letter comes in, you right. say, I want 20,000 higher than that amount right, or right. whatever, 10,000 higher. They're going to be like, then why did you even tell us this amount? Like we're giving you the amount that you asked for. Exactly. Um, exactly. If you're asked for a target, chances are you're only going to be able to negotiate up to that target or somewhere around it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I'm glad you point that out. Yeah, That's but most true. of the times people, from what I've heard, people negotiating is negotiating to their target, not mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. not above, right? right. They're, they're right. already looking for a certain salary anyways. Exactly. And if you're excited about the company, as you know, if you're excited exactly. about the company, you know, you're not, it's certainly not in your best interest to know, to sort of um, swindle the company out of more money. <laughs> yeah, but that's one of the keys with salary negotiations that I've heard from everyone and that, um, I haven't had to experience it too much yet, but um, mm -hmm. is that you have to have that number ready when, when people ask you for it. Like, yeah. like if, if a recruiter asks you or, or a company asks you, what is your salary target or what type of salary are you looking for? You have to have the number ready and you have to be able to just say it confidently. Because if, yeah. if at that moment you don't know, like mm -hmm. it's, it's really hard to whatever number you throw out, Mm -hmm. that's largely the, you know, that's the number that you're looking for. And that's the number that right. you said you're looking for. And it's really hard yeah. to backpedal your way out of something right. if you shoot well, yourself too low. Exactly. And you at least at a bare minimum need to know that number for yourself, even if you're not exactly. necessarily in that moment going to share that number openly um, or you might hint at a, you know, kind of a broad range or something like that to kind of not, not, you know, tip your, your hand too much. Um, but, you know, playing games yeah. sort of the back and forth isn't necessarily uh, the spirit within which you want to, you know, you, you want to be doing that in good faith, basically. If no. Yeah. And, and if you have that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you, you have a target that, of what you're mm -hmm. looking for, then, then it's also easier to say like, okay, wow, this salary that I just got offered is way too low. I right. have to negotiate it up exactly. because this is, because this number is what I feel like I'm worth. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Or, or yeah, this can. number is what I need to survive or, or whatever. Right, like it, right. it keeps you from being lowballed. Yeah. Um, and it makes it easier to turn down positions that are lowballing you right, right. or to negotiate them higher. 
Sure, exactly. Well, and you're right, because it's, you know, just like uh, so much of, of job searches, you know, uh, this job search processes can be, you know, likened to, uh, you know, dating. <laughs> yeah. Are we right for each other? And, you know, um, are there other, you know, others out there that are better? And am I making a decision and that kind of thing? And the same thing, you know, what are some of the criteria that I'm looking for? Uh, what are some of the things? And knowing that, um, you know, did you have a sense before you started your job search process um, of what that you know, kind of those, your, um, sort of your, I don't want to say grocery list, because that's a, that's a very, you know, sort of calculating way to look at it, but, but a sense of what you were looking for in terms of the type of environment you wanted, or did you just kind of go in line, not having any idea and, you know, just see what's out there first? No, I had, I had positions in mind and like, and quote unquote deal breakers. Um, uh, I was largely looking for something less of a established corporate, like less of a um, enterprise environment and more uh-huh. of a startup environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of always, I've always freelanced. I've always worked in small businesses with my music sure. background. And so I felt, I felt a lot more comfortable, at least for my first gig, jumping into something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I knew a set of technologies that I really wanted to um to work in uh mm-hmm. so i really wanted something that was I, I was looking for front-end roles and largely because i enjoy the front-end more it wasn't just that like the amount of um positions with keywords of javascript and react and yeah. stuff are <laughs> a lot higher i mean because they are like if you're, if you're targeting sure. back-end roles you're gonna you're gonna be asked about other languages probably more frequently and that 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 wasn't the main deciding factor. I just really, I really enjoyed the front end and the challenges that come there with browser um, uh, inconsistencies and the field that is, is moving so rapidly. You know, every week there's something different to do on, on the front end or some browser released some feature. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. So, um, so I was largely targeting front end developer roles. Um, so, so I was looking for companies that had that, but I was also targeting front end developer roles with a modern, uh, tech stack. So that, that was the key is that I was, I was trying to take charge of my, my, uh, career, right. And, and getting that first gig in a tech stack that's outdated, mm-hmm. um, doesn't help you keep your skills fresh Yeah. when, especially while you're trying to learn development. So, so like being able to learn on the job. And mm-hmm. stay up to date is, is a huge, amazing thing. And mm-hmm. that was something that I really, really wanted. Um, right. so, so that filtered out a lot of companies because I was really only looking for stuff with uh, React or Vue at the time. I was looking for okay. one of those two. Um, uh, but I knew more React. So I was mainly looking for React positions rather than um, like something that was a little more like an older technology. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so that, that helped narrow that down. And then um, for my first gig, I was looking for something in person as well. Okay. Um, that, that just because like it helps when you're, when you're on your first gig, like to be getting that feedback and, and to yeah. be there in the moment and soaking. Up right. Right. Yeah, but, absolutely. To be present, fully present with actual people who can give you that feedback. Mm-hmm. And, and if it's a, if it like, I did look at some remote positions, but I was really, really looking for like what the feedback, because with remote and I'm sure you can sympathize with this. Um, one of the big keys is that you have to kind of, communicate even more or you have to make everything like a a lot more apparent um, Mm -hmm. than in person because you're not there. 
Um, so, so I was really looking for stuff that was, um, for as far as remote work goes at that point in time, I was looking for something that was like, okay, if, if it's remote, like, how is it structured? What's mm. like, like how active would it be in, in growing me? So. Sure. What's the, com- and what's the communication process like, you know, yeah. consistent and yeah. how does it, what does that look like? How does it take place? That kind of thing. Yeah. That makes sense. Exactly. So sense. those okay. were kind of my, my three big ones. The other thing that I was looking for at the time was uh, somewhat of a flexible working uh, schedule, like here in okay. Los Angeles. Um, if you, you know, if you require your employees to be at, at the office at nine and to leave at five, they can't go past, they can't come in early, like, um, you're going to end up with a lot of employees driving through traffic. Um, yeah. We just have, we have a really bad rush hour before 9am right. and we have a really bad <laughs> one, really bad one from about like four to six. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I was looking for something that if I was going to drive a, a moderate distance that mm-hmm. I could go mm-hmm. either in really early or late enough that I could skip the traffic. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that, well, that certainly makes sense. Having driven LA traffic, <laughs> yes, yeah. it's pretty much a nightmare. So yeah, I can totally relate, relate to that. So that may, does make sense. So there yeah. were criteria and they were things that, uh, you know, when you, I'm assuming then, you know, based on what you're saying, when you stumbled across or, or came in contact with a, a company, even if it sounded like, Oh, there's a great opportunity or most people would say, Oh no, you should just take it. Cause you know, um, you, you want to get that first you know, foot in the door kind of thing that you, you either did or would have turned down, would have said, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, you know, it's not right for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause I think that's yeah. a lot, you know, that's something a lot of people struggle with is, um, you know, they tend not to value themselves and their own capabilities, their own skills very much in, in the process, because it does tend to, you know, people even paint such a grim picture of it, even before they start uh, yeah. uh, you know, the whole process, you know, it's sort of doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's something where, uh, like, that's another thing that you have to know before you start, right. Or before like mm-hmm. you're in that situation, it's the same as like salary and knowing what you feel like the number that that you're looking for. You have to know what those deal breakers are before you encounter them, because when you encounter them, you're going to be tempted or inclined to uh, explain them away. Right. If you have a company that's starting to show interest in you and you're like, okay, well, it's not in a modern tech stack, but they're showing interest in me. Maybe I can learn it on the side. Maybe I can do this, blah, blah, blah. Like you start trying to explain away all of the problems versus saying like, okay, that is not on my radar. I'm not even applying to the job. Like mm. it's not, it's not worth, it's not worth 10 minutes of my, you know, it's worth reading the listing and saying no. Right. Right. Um, exactly. And there were, there were a few companies that after a phone screen with them, I declined them for a mm. second interviews where they had asked me to show up either in person or um, like a video chat or something. Mm-hmm. And I had said like, ah, I don't, I don't feel like culturally it's the right company for me. And I had just, sure. I, and I just sent them a message saying like, mm-hmm. Hey, like, I don't think we're right. Like maybe someday in the future, blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, best of luck in your, in your guys's, in your guys's search. Sure. Absolutely. And what was that like for you? Was that a little bit scary to do that? Or did you feel, you know, pretty confident because you did have that, you know, kind of that list of, you know, what you were looking for, your vision of what you, you know, what was going to be right for you from the start. Yeah. I think the first time it was scary. I felt like yeah. I was, um, I felt like I was, uh, closing a door that perhaps shouldn't have been, you know, like I felt like I was, uh, there were a lot of what ifs, mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. very first time. And then, uh, right. but, but that company's interview process had frustrated me up to 
such a point that I was like, okay, well, if they're frustrating me this much as a candidate, mm -hmm. like they'll frustrate me even more as an employee likely. So, absolutely. Um, so, so I eventually, I just, you know, I, I sent the email, I made the call. Um, mm -hmm. After that, that first one, up until that point when I actually made the call and mm -hmm. told them like, no, uh, mm -hmm. it was very, very like scary. Um, yeah. But once I made the call, it felt very empowering, right? It was like, okay, wow, I actually am in control of my job search. Like, it's not the first company that comes to me asking, yeah. you know, it's not the first company that shows interest in me that's going to be my next job. It's going to be the one that, like, they like me and I like them. And that, right. was, that was key. Absolutely. Well, that makes perfect so, sense. And that, that made it easier to do. I think I did it for two, maybe three companies over my job search. Okay. Of, like, right. uh, a couple months. Sure, absolutely. Well, and that's good to hear. Like I say, you know, I think it, a lot of times um, it boils down to or it comes back to that it's, oh, God, what if I say no to them and it's the only offer I ever get or it's the only interested yeah. company I ever get. So I think, you know, that's a, a big part of what drives that fear, um, you know, of of uh, turning something down that doesn't feel right. So, so yeah, but it's totally. good to hear that you had that experience, you know, kind of hear it firsthand. I can say it, but <laughs> it means a lot more when yeah. You know, when the listeners hear it from someone who's actually experienced it. So, um, and, you know, undertaken that sort of task, but, um, you know, sort of in, in, in advance. So <laughs> done the dirty yeah. work or the hard work so that they, they do get a sense of what that's like. So, um, it, now I have one, and I, we've taken up an awful lot of your time and I do apologize. No, I it's okay. um, lunch hour. <laughs> you said it's, <laughs> it's lunchtime. You're on vacation. It's lunchtime. So I it's really okay. do appreciate all you. You have so much valuable information and feedback and, and insight to share. So, um, the, um, one final question, I guess. Um, uh, well, I guess second to final question, because you know, <laughs> we want to know how, how, you know, if you're open to uh, listeners, you know, contacting you or you know, reaching out or connecting or that kind of uh -huh. thing. But, um, but the uh, sort of the second final question, final official question, I guess, is if you, uh, you know, looking back, um, if you could give yourself um, any kind of, you know, anything you wish you had done differently, if you could give yourself mm -hmm. any advice or, or, you know, kind of hindsight 2020 vision, um, what might that be? If anything. Yeah, I, I can think of two off the, off the top of my head. And okay. honestly, these are both advices to myself in this exact moment at the same time. Um, okay. <laughs> Cause you're great at like, you're great at, you know, you're often great at identifying things that, that should be done, but it's a lot harder to actually do with them. Anyways, right, the first right. one would have been um, when I was really busy at learning and um, even while I was on the, the first job to mm -hmm. continue to network a little harder. Okay. Um, so so I, I didn't really start networking hard until I started my job search. And okay. um, I, I'm definitely networking a lot harder than I did um, on my, like when I was in Thinkful. I didn't even have a clue what that was or what it looks like to meet up with sure. um, someone at a nearby company and grab, grab coffee with them um, and just talk sure. and just hang out. And right. maybe later you end up collaborating on something. And, and so my first advice sure. would, to myself looking back um, pre-auto gravity would have been to, to network a lot harder and to meet more people, mm -hmm. make more friends, um, because you never know what okay. those friendships lead to. The second one would have sure, been absolutely. to write and blog more frequently. Um, just because okay. you have, a, it gives you a much better personal brand. 
Um, and that's, that's advice to myself mm-hmm. right now as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's hard. It, it's hard to create content that, that feels meaningful and feels like polished mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. on a regular schedule. Yeah. But that was, some, that is something that looking back and looking forward that I'm even looking at doing more. And I'm like, uh, it, it's just, it, and it helps you process. It helps you to, um, to, uh, explain things it helps you with your communication of technical concepts of like what if i was explaining how to do this to someone who's um uh been in a boot camp for a month or something like that so someone that knows Mm -hmm. enough terminology Mm -hmm. they can understand what you're reading but um someone who maybe doesn't know the concept that you're trying to teach um yeah and then the last one actually and i started doing this early on in my job at autogravity was to keep a journal of things. So, so try to, try to keep oh, a journal really? at least, at least on a regular basis, maybe not daily, but, um, at least a few posts a month of like, um, you know, things that you found that you enjoyed things that you didn't enjoy, um, what you would do differently. Perhaps it's a journal about the hiring process that you're going through, or maybe it's about code that you've written and read. Um, but, it's very valuable when you look back on things and it's the same idea as the blog posts, um, except that you can write a little more freely. So it forces you to explain things and it forces you to process things. Um, sure, but sure. at least in that case, you can write it freely because you don't have to care about other people reading it. Right. Exactly. Well, and that, you know, that I think makes fantastic sense because like you say, you know, I'm even thinking about say the onboarding process that can be very pleasant and seamless with us, you know, with one company and be a complete chaotic mess with another company. And so um, while it may, you know, that may simply be, that may not be a factor of, you know, the value of the company or the strength of the company. It may simply be, especially in this scenario of a startup, they just don't have the infrastructure yet to support that onboarding process. And so they, maybe they rely on a recruiter who isn't really familiar with it all yet, or it could be, they rely on their team members, you know, their engineering team members who are so swamped. They just, you know, are Mm -hmm. just trying to get through every day and busy and, and can't really devote the time to it. So it doesn't necessarily, necessarily mean that, you know, in the future that, uh, you know, oh, I have to make sure that that's a deal breaker if the company doesn't have yeah. a structured, well, you know, thought out onboarding process that that you as as a, you know, future employee, that you, a new employee, you can be, um, you can kind of lead that yeah. process. Mm-hmm. You know, what was helpful for you and, and what did you find beneficial and what was problematic? Exactly. Or, you know, what kind of ab- obstacles or hurdles did you run into and that kind of thing? So, yeah, that makes, I think that makes it, great sense. And I'm sure that can be extrapolated. Yeah, it helps you catalog your experience and, um, Exactly. And learn from learn from both your successes and your mistakes. And so that's something I started doing yes. once I started working. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, December became a crazy month and I, I haven't journaled as much this month. But um, but it's it's proven very, very valuable in both process in processing like code that I read that I enjoyed code that I read that I didn't enjoy why I thought it wasn't good, mm-hmm. um, why I thought something was good. And then also like internal processes, of course. Um, or even sure. network related stuff. Um, so those are those are probably the three pieces that I would have looked back and perhaps just started earlier or put more effort into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really valuable yeah. information. That's that's not something anyone has has you know, has shared oh, yet so far. So <laughs> it's always great to get something. Yeah, exactly. To get some something, uh, you know, sort of um, unique. Uh, uh, yeah. Novel. See, look, I'm already becoming each, wiser. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just That's kidding. Right, I'm are. just kidding. You know how much humble it helps? too. Uh, <laughs> no, it's true. 
Uh, <laughs> it's very, yeah, he's incredibly uh, humble. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> we'll ask your wife about that one, right? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Who's been a tremendous yeah, supporter. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Well, uh, so. And yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, that, that's it. Great. Fantastic. Okay. So, well, thank you so much for all your time. And if, if any of the listeners, you know, had an interest in connecting with you, you know, are you open to that? And, you know, cause obviously I want to respect your, you know, uh, privacy and time, but are you open to that and, you know, receptive to that and how might they go? About yeah, that? I'm, I, so I'm totally open for connections. If you're in the Los okay. Angeles area, I'm always open to meet up. Um, I, I'm technically mm-hmm. in the Orange County area, I guess. But if you're if you're in Southern California, right. I'm always open to meet up. Uh, if you're not, I'm always open, okay. like as much as I can. I I'm open to video <laughs> chat. Like I mean, I mean, obviously okay. with within schedule constraints, everyone understands that that like right. like. But I'm always open, always open to connect as much as anyone is willing to uh, and chat and mm-hmm. hear from people and connect with people. The best way to get a hold of me is uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, okay. If you have, I'm, I'm, I know you have the link, Gwen, and that might be best to just disseminate yes. that out. If you, I don't know if you get show sure, notes absolutely. with these or whatever. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, yeah, just send me, send me a connect request on LinkedIn. Um, or you could tweet okay. at me on Twitter. That, that, I, probably if someone started tweeting at me, I would probably, I would probably tweet back. Um, people don't tweet at me a lot. <laughs> so, and I'm not, I'm not super active. In okay. hosting, but that is another way of getting a hold of me, but um, LinkedIn is the best way and just send me a personal message and we go from there. Okay. All right. That sounds great. That's very helpful. And what's your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, Benjamin J. So it's at B E N J A M M I N J. Let me check that first mm-hmm. to make sure. I know that would be that would be great. Get the like wrong me. Twitter handle out. Um, right, right, but, exactly. They're they're tweeting at somebody that they don't even know. But I'm I'm checking <laughs> I'm checking Twitter pretty pretty frequently. Yeah, Benjamin J. Uh, I check ben I check Jake. fairly frequently. Um, that's how I stay up to date with tech news. So. Okay, great. That's terrific. Good yeah. to hear. Um, so you you know you exist in that space. Yes, that's wonderful. I, so otherwise, LinkedIn. I know you're Benjamin Johnson on LinkedIn. Yes, Benjamin Johnson. <laughs> and they can certainly yeah, on LinkedIn. Yeah, I will share the link. And that that's probably the best mm-hmm. way, at least, to to start messaging me. And I'm always more sure. than open to okay. hop in a Google Hangout or if they're Thinkful students, hop in a Thinkful Hangout. Um, okay, great. Yeah, always more than open. Terrific. Terrific. Well, it, I, on behalf of you know all the listeners who I'm sure echo my sentiments, you know, thank you again, Ben. Um, and of course, you and I, you know, know we'll stay in touch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and continue to stay in touch, and, and I'll keep them, you know, listeners uh, uh, updated on your progress, um, unless they're in touch with you directly. So, um, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll 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 be keep the, keep tabs on you and see sort of where your uh, illustrious career goes next. <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, for you next. What's in your in your future so awesome thank you so much yeah thank you again and and uh we'll get this posted as quickly as possible so probably in the next day probably next day or okay so, and you'll get a sweet thank you so, okay all right well thanks again ben you have a great rest of your vacation yeah you too and have a wonderful wonderful new year's okay thanks you take care <laughs>